0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Matt F., or Matt J.F., depending on which group you're in. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater living in Northern Virginia, and um, I'm really pleased to be asked to be the speaker tonight. Um, I'm going to pause a moment and ask to be guided to say something that's Useful and helpful to someone on the line tonight. Um, so I am a hundred pounder. Uh, I will be 53 years old, uh, next week. And, uh, my top weight was in 2003 when I was 380 pounds. Um, and I was overweight my entire life. Uh, and not a little, I mean i'm five eight, so three hundred eighty pounds is a lot um, and two thousand three is when I had one en y gastric bypass surgery, um which for those who are not initiated is the i, I call it the full magilla gastric bypass, where they you know, slice you open and rewrite your small intestine and everything and um I maintained about hundred and ten about hundred and ten pound weight loss with the help of that surgery um you know, about six months after the surgery, and I was fortunate. You know, a lot of people get that surgery, and it it kind of doesn't stick for them, and it did for me. Um, I mean, I my low weight dropped to two thirty five, but I eventually stabilized at about you know between two fifty and two seventy for you know, the next however many years. Um, and. Uh, I mean, I mean real compulsive over here. And um, I don't know why. And, and really, I think most of my life, uh, coming before coming to program in 2019. Um, it felt really like there were three things that that seemed really, that, that seemed like they were always true in my life. One was I was almost always, quote, trying to lose weight. It was like this magical forward incantation um, that was somehow going to make everything okay. It was going to make everything I ate okay. I'm trying to lose weight, but, you know, not right this second. And um, and the second thing was that I just, I you know, as, as a kid, as an overweight kid, it was so hard, you know, and and just not like not having. Why was I like other kids? And I just wanted to know why. Was it because my parents got divorced on I was Was it because my, you know, like my hair, my my heritage, my my genetics? Like I just it felt so important to me. So that was the second thing that was like always seemed true. Was like I just I just want to understand. And the third thing was, um, I was sure that someday I was going to solve this problem. Because I just I thought it was a math problem, I thought it was a calories in, calories out problem, and I'm a smart guy. I'm well read. I'm reasonably well educated. I'm a good problem solver, and so I just felt like, well, like you know, I, I, I solve problems. That's what I do. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna solve this problem, and yet I never could, and I feel like that was um, part of the reason why I began to harbor inside this very deep seated creeping notion that, you know, um, for as many good things as I could point to, you know, as sort of like good things, I could say, like, I'm here's proof that I'm I'm an okay person, that you know, I'm living a good life. I, there was this nonsense that um that might all be a lie and that I might actually actually just be a worthless piece of crap. And every time I couldn't solve the, the math problem, I, like that grew a little. Every time I would wave away whatever it was I was about to put in my mouth, I mean, like I'm trying to lose weight, but you don't know. Like, this second, it grew. And every time I couldn't figure out why it was all happening, it grew. It was sort of it. It would it would play both sides of the road. It'd be like you know, if something was going well, then it would be like, well, oh, this isn't going to last. Because you're a worthless piece of crap. And if something was going poorly, it would be like, well, of course it's going poorly. Because you're a worthless piece of crap. And all of this was happening at an unconscious level where I didn't, I didn't know this. What I did realize, maybe 10 years before I came into the program, in a therapist's office one day, I realized all of a sudden that um, I was really bad at feeling emotionally uncomfortable. Like when unpleasant emotions showed up, I would do almost anything to avoid embracing them, expressing them, just hanging out with them. And and one of my go tos was I would fill myself with food until I was so physically uncomfortable that it literally, I, I like it literally just pushed the feelings. I couldn't feel anything but physically uncomfortable. I was and. It just it just pushed it out. And so I remember having this insight and we was really excited about it. I was like, this is and I told my therapist, like, "I I feel like this changes everything. Like it's all it's all become clear now. And and he was kind of like, Yeah, that's great. I think in his head he was like, You probably have more of a problem than you think. Um but he didn't say it. So um, as we say in the rooms, you yeah, know, I misunderstood the assignment. Um I knew, I, I believed in 12-step recovery in 2019 uh, when I decided but abstinence since February 26, 2019. And because um, uh, I had people in my life who were in 12-step recovery in, in AA, and I, I, I sort of had a good sense of how it had worked in their lives and the kind of change it had made. But I thought that for me, Overeaters Anonymous was silly. Because step one is we admitted we were powerless over food now our lives kind become of unmanageable. And I literally said this out loud to, to my girlfriend at the time who was in AA, that I think OA is BS. And the reason is that, you know, like, I'm not one of those people. Go F yourself. Like, that's not me. I wasn't saying that to her. I was saying it, to, I was saying it broadly, globally, to anyone who would intimate that I was one of those people. I'm not powerless over food. Once again, misunderstood the assignment. It wasn't until I, like, spitefully found myself listening to an Overeaters Anonymous Big Book Step Study. I say spitefully because, like, I meant to listen to an AA Big Book Step Study, and it was for work. It had nothing to do with recovery. It had to do with my job, which also had nothing to do with recovery. But, you know... that's what I was helpfully served up when I searched for a big book step study so, on YouTube. YouTube was like, "Here, Matt, you should, you'll enjoy this one first. Um, so I'm listening to this thing, and the guy is qualifying, and he's te- he's telling stories about his health, whatever eating, and I'm not relating to them at all. In fact, I was I was about to turn it off because I was like, I was driving a rental car at the time. I, was, I don't want to pay to have this rental car cleaned. I'm going to puke if I have to listen to another story like this. And that's when he said. For me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And my goose was cooked. Like, that was the moment when I understood that I had not understood. And um, because, like, that was simply for for me to deny that for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting would be like for me to deny that. I have brown hair, I mean, it's not brown anymore, Was then, ish. You know, but I have brown eyes. It'd be like I was standing in front of you, you're staring into my eyes, and I look you straight in your eyes, and I say, my eyes are blue. And you'd be looking into my eyes and going, but like, like I'm pretty sure they're brown. And I'd be like, they're not brown, go ask yourself. So I I now think of step one, we admitted we were of our food, our lives become unmanageable. Like, I had to stop denying what was an undeniable truth once I understood what that meant. What I was admitting to was not that I was a bad person. It was not that I was weak of will or discipline or mind or heart. It was not that I was wanting in any way obvious or not obvious. It, it was that I have a physical allergy and a mental twist. You know, as it's described in the doctor's opinion, I always think of, like, for me, there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. That's like the entire doctor's opinion in 17 words. I'm like a person who has a deadly peanut allergy and yet presented with the opportunity to eat peanuts. I can never remember that they'll come. And remember is, those are delicious. Yes, I would like some, please, and I will start eating them. And then I as I'm eating them, I will remember like, I feel like this is not gonna end well. And I can't stop eating them, even though I know they're gonna kill me. That's the physical that's the mental twist and the physical allergy at work. And for me, like that might not have mattered, except that I also had this emotional intolerance that I talked about. And those three things in combination meant that I wound up like, you know. Starting and not stopping a lot. So I just had to stop denying an undeniable truth. I had to admit that I have brown eyes, and I had to admit that i was a compulsive overeater if that's how you define it. And and then step like steps one, two, and three were kind of like it just what they just tumbled like dominoes for me. It was like once the first one fell, it was like, well, then step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, and it's like, well. Yeah, I think that seems logical. If I am powerless over this thing, I think there are only two possibilities. Either there, I have no power. Therefore, if this problem is to be solved, there has to be a source of power that's not me that's gonna solve it. Or there's not, and I'm just gonna be stuck this way forever. And so step two was just like, well, I have to stop trying to defeat the irrefutable logic of an of an irrefutable irrefutably logical statement. Yeah, okay, that seems sensible. And then what's step three? Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And that's just a way of saying, like, I, by the way, I don't have to understand God. I don't. Have to do anything. But, like, what is the observable physical consequence of taking step three? I start step four. So, it, and I'm just making a decision. I'm going to take a flyer, right? So, step two is like, if I, by the way, I come to step two, there's either a power or there's not. If I think there's not, why would I continue to step three? So, I'm implicitly saying, I, I'm hoping that there's a power. And I think the only way to find out is just to trust that that power is going to keep me okay while I do this scary inventory thing. And that's what happened. I came to the program, by the way, not an atheist, but an agnostic. I grew up with no religion. I have never had religion. When I came to the program, you know, I didn't I didn't, I didn't have a, a, a conception of a higher power. I didn't know. But I didn't worry about it. I just figured if there is a greater power and I am meant to solve this problem, it'll work itself out, and it did. I still have no religion, but I have a deep faith in a power greater than myself. And so that was all quite a while ago, right? It's been almost five years now, and I know I don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to touch on one thing. Um, if you're if you're new. And you're you're not sure if you qualify, you're not sure if you want to start, you're welcome to reach out to me and I'm happy to talk about it. And by talking about it, I will share my experience, strength, and hope to the extent that you want to hear it. I'm not going to try and convince you of anything. I'm not going to try and convert you to anything. I'm not going to try and con- tell you anything about yourself because I don't know anything about you. I barely know anything about me. I went through almost a half century denying that I had this problem. So. But the thing I want to touch on is you know so my fifth my fifth O A birthday is coming up, and um and and I know that people like make a big deal about their birthdays in in most twelve step programs, and and for those who don't know it's the, it's the anniversary date of absence. and this has always been true of my belly button birthday too like it's just another day like you know. It it, it doesn't, it's not, it's like, it's either, either everything is magical or nothing. And it's like, I feel like the net effect of that is like, then either every day is magical or this, or none of them are. And I approach my abstinence much the same way. You'll hear people say in the program, take it one day at a time. And one of the things that I have found really helpful as I've been on this journey has been to really buy into them. And part of that for me is I reserve the right to have as much of any food I want, abstinent or not, whenever I want. I really do. I did not relinquish that right when I came into this program. I'm just not doing it right now. Just now. And as long as that continues being true, I'm still abstinent and still live recovered. And by the way, if at some point it stops being true, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I failed. It doesn't mean I suck. It just means that I broke my abstinence. And I really hope, like I, 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 if I, I can't keep my abstinence on a high shelf because it's heavy. And if it falls, like it might break my toe or fall on my head and kill me. No, I keep it on a low shelf so that if it rolls off, it might get a little scuffed, but it's not going to shatter. It's not going to hurt me. And I can just pick it back up and put it back on shelf again. Although the stakes of this disease for many of us can be life and death, it is a slow motion. It is rare than any particular moment. Like, you know, no one's ever been arrested for driving full that I'm aware of. It's unlikely that I am going to kill anyone. The stakes are lower, but they're not not there. And it turns out that my life is just better when I don't worry so much, and when I just trust that, you know, that greater power has my back and it's going to teach her whatever I need to know. And if what I, one of the things I need to learn is how to break your abstinence, and then come back from it, then I guess I'll learn that. I don't think that's up to me, because how could it be? It's not up to me that I stayed abstinent. I had a girlfriend once who, like I used to, t- I used to, she, she. we We weren't together very long, but it happened to be over this anniversary date of my abstinence, and she was making a really big deal about it. And she was a therapist, and she worked in a, in the eating disorders unit at the mental hospital, and like, she got it, she got the program. She wasn't in the program. Um, and she was like, "You should be so proud." And I was like, "Of what? I don't. This. I didn't do this. I'm not responsible for my absence. If I was, I wouldn't need this stupid program. This is something that happens for me, not because I'm worthy. The steps, and I do my life. Well, I do my best to live in 10, 11, and twelve. That's it. So, if you're if you're new. You're struggling. You're not sure what your higher power is. I would just point out, by the way, step two is in the past tense. Made a decision to turn our will. No, sorry, that's step three. Uh, Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Understood him. Not as we understand him. Wherever we were at with understanding our higher power in that moment, that's what we we that's what we trusted it to. So if you're not sure, you know, the the very nature of faith is it's it's to trust in the evidence of things not seen. So if you're not sure, you know, just maybe just grasp onto whatever you are sure of that maybe there is a power greater than yourself that can restore to sanity. And see what happens. And, you know, this is hard. Abstinence is hard. Getting abstinence is hard. Staying abstinence is hard. Food's around us all the time. We have to, we have to let the tiger out of the cage three times a day, as they say. You know, maybe, cut your, maybe give yourself a little grace and cut yourself a little slack if it's hard for you. You're not alone. It's hard for everyone. And, if you feel like you're less successful in your program than other people are, don't worry about it. You don't actually know that's true. And also there's a bunch of other people who are, you know, who you might perceive as less successful than you. What difference does that make? Just keep not eating it in this moment and then the next. And don't worry about what happened last moment. It's not available anymore. And don't worry about what you're going to do next. It's not available yet. That's worked for me for almost five years. And uh, with that, I think I will pass. Thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight.